Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Erev Tov, everybody. Hope you are doing well. It is um, good to be back streaming live again. Parashat Shavua. It's been a few weeks as we uh, just finished the three weeks of Yemei Ben HaMesarim, followed by Tisha Be'av. And this coming parashat, this coming week, is Parashat Vet Hanan, Shabbat Nahamu. Before we get to that, which we're going to focus most of our shiur tonight on, uh, let's. Uh, we cannot fail to mention tonight's uh, auspicious day. Tonight is Tu Be'av, the 15th day of Av. Halfway through the month, Chachamim tell us that uh, the 15th of Av is one of the happiest days on the Jewish calendar. It is a, uh, a day where it is mesugal for men and women to find their bashert, their soulmate, those people that are still looking for the right person, the person who they're going to spend the rest of their lives with. Tonight is a night as based on the Gemara and Mishnah in Masechet Tanit that speaks about on how on this day the ladies used to go out and find their soulmate. And they would all dress the same way. They would all look the same so that the men looking for their spouse would not focus on wealth, would not focus on lineage, would just look at the woman for who she was and their beauty. So we give a berachah to all those that are still looking for their their one and only, that they find their one and only Bezat Hashem this year. And uh, they will they will seek and experience true happiness that with the growing and the building of a family. Uh Chachamim also want to tell us that Tu Be'av, the, uh, the first, uh, the 15th day of Av is not just a moment where a person becomes attached or finds that attachment to his soulmate, or that being a, a man to his wife or, or a, a woman to her husband. But it's also an opportunity for us to cling and find that attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Of course, we are um, halfway through the month, and uh, and the rabbis tell us that the month is divided into two, two parts. The first half of the month corresponds to the actual month that you're in, and already the second half of the month is for the month that's following. So therefore, the first 15 days of Av correspond to Av, Av being a sad month, as we know. There's a lot of mourning going on. From the 15th on onwards, we're looking forward to the month of Elul, month of Elul. And uh, I don't need to sit here and, and, and mention to you how, how important the month of Elul is the month of Selichot, the month of introspection, and the month of coming closer to Hashem. There is the love. There is the love that we're talking about. So it's from this moment on, on the 15th day of Av, where, we, where we're pro- progressing and proceeding towards the month of Elul, that we're finding this marriage. We're, we're binding ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the spiritual love between us and the Almighty. And this, begins, uh, this really begins tonight on Tubav. Um, is also one of the great Hilulot of the year. Tonight is the Hilulot to be Amram ben Diwan, um, as it, as is brought in down the holy books. When the great sage from Morocco, uh, I had the experience and the privilege of visiting his kibur, his kibur 
uh, amongst many, many thousands of Jews that uh, that pilgrimage to the to that site. Many do it during Lagba Omer. It is a wonderful experience and a, and a dream of uh, of many Jews around the world, especially Moroccan Jews that have made their way to uh, Lagba to, to either on Lagba Omer or on Tubab to uh, celebrate the life of the tzaddik or be remedy one. Tonight, with your permission, we are just going to spend a few moments looking at the first pasuk of this week's parasha, a pasuk that is rather short and uh, doesn't seem to have much information in terms of the words, but it is embedded with a lot of great ideas and great lessons. And I hope, as Hashem, to, uh, to share some of these ideas and lessons uh, with you tonight. Um, so the, the pasuk that we're looking at is the first pasuk of Parashat Vat Hanan. If you have a chumash that is uh, handy or nearby, uh, I advise or suggest that you look along with me, specifically one with Rashi is always helpful. And we'll look and we'll pay attention to a few of the other commentaries that are brought down um, on this pasuk, many, as it is a very uh, important and vital pasuk. The pasuk is six words long. Ba'et Hanan el Adonai ba'et hahi lemor. Ba'et Hanan el Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu did something to Hashem. We're going to see what this is. Much of our shiur is going to focus on this word. Ba'et hahi at that time lemor sank. So Rashi is very quick to notice this word ba'et Hanan, and he is uh, unsure exactly of of its meaning, and uh, we we don't really see it anywhere else. And Rashid provides us with uh, with two explanations. He notices the root word of the word Vait Hanan as being Chet Nun Nun, Hanan, like Hanun. And Rashid tells us, En Chinun Bechol Makom, Ela Leshon Matenat Hinam. That there is no mention of the word Hinun in Scripture unless it signifies or talking about a matenat chinam, a free gift, a, a, uh, an undeserved gift. The lashon chinam, chinam also va'et hanan, and is uh, free, something that is free. And Moshe Rabbeinu here was requesting something that was undeserved, requesting something free. And he explains what the concept is behind this. And he says, Afalpi sheyesh lahem latzadikim litlot b'maasehem hatovim. Even though that our sages, our righteous sages, um, might claim litlot, they might claim on their good deeds that they have done. En mevakshim meet hamakom ela matenat chinam. They only request from Hashem a free gift. They only request from God something that is not going to pull away from their merits. Because Akados Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabenu in, uh, in Parashat Kitisam, I will be gracious to those uh, to whom I will be gracious. So Moshe Rabenu is using the same word of Vaet Hanan, the same expression of graciousness, and also a lashon chinam. So let me explain a little bit about what Rashi is trying to tell us. Everything that we do in our lives, every good deed, every act of chesed, and certainly every mitzvah that we perform, 
scores for us points. We'll call it like a reward system. In day school, when you did something good, your teacher wanted to show off to the class what you what you accomplished. And she would put, or he would put stars on next to your name. And when you reach a certain amount of stars, then you uh, you get a prize. You get a prize of some sort. And uh, you get rewarded. And you earn those stars. And then the teacher will probably say, okay, so you've, you've all earned a party. You've all earned some candy. You've all earned a extra recess, whatever it is. And now we start from scratch. So you've used up your stars. And now we start again from the beginning. And again, it's, it serves that motivation for the child or the children, the students in the classroom to succeed. The same thing happens with our, um, with ourselves. We perform mitzvot, we perform good deeds and actions. And in Shamaim, there are these points that are being accumulated. We don't see these stars. They're not for us to know. And, and it's better for us not to know. As mentioned in Perkei Avot, it's much better to serve Hashem um, uh, not for the purpose of receiving reward, but rather, but they're there. They're there. It comes to a point where a person then says, I need something, or I want something. I need a gift. I want something from you, Hashem. And Hashem's response, or Hashem can do two possible things with this. If it is, uh, And these things are undeserved. It wasn't meant for you, uh, but you want it. It's something you need. Uh, and Hashem can do one of two possible things. He can give you what you request. He can give you that present. And it will cost you some points. It will cost you some of the stars in your bank account. But he'll give it to you. Or he can give it to you, to you simply out of his own good heart. Free. Without any costs. Without any uh, point deduction. With no money spent. It is truly a free gift. The tzaddikim spend their entire lives earning these points. They spend most of their days engaged and engulfed in Torah and mitzvot. They have millions of points in Shamayim. And at the same time, they want to keep on accumulating points. Those points will result into a sachar, a reward that we are unable to fathom and visualize here on earth, because that reward is only spiritual, and it's meant for the next world. It's meant for olam haba. So therefore, when a tzaddik requests something, and in this case, Moshe Rabbeinu is requesting from Hashem to go into Eretz Israel, that is his last and final request, and he is saying this with full sincerity and with full meaning, and this is his tefillah, but he wants it to be free. He doesn't want it to cost him anything. And he doesn't want it to be taken away, his account to be deducted in any way whatsoever. It needs to be a matinat chinam. And therefore, the lashon that was used by Moshe Rabbeinu was a lashon of chinun, was a lashon of gracious. I want the request to come from you, Hashem. I want you to grant my request out of chinun, out of graciousness. And I want it to be chinam. I want it to be free as well. And therefore, don't deduct any points that I have in my bank account. Don't wipe away the stars that I've accumulated in my life. I want, it, I want you to give me this final request out of your own goodwill. That's how Rashi interprets the first, the, his first meaning, the first interpretation 
of the word va'et hanan. But he gives a second interpretation, a much shorter one. And he says, davar aher, you should know there's another meaning to this. Ze echad me'asara leshonot shenikret tefila. This is one of ten expressions of prayer. Kedeita besifrei, like it's written in the Sifrei, in the Midrash, uh, Midrash Rabbah. So, on one hand, the word Vayet Hanan is Moshe Rabbeinu requesting and asking a, for a full, for a free gift out of the graciousness of Hashem's heart. And Vayet Hanan can also mean a tefillah. And it's an expression of tefillah. So, I'd like to teach you something about Rashi. Whenever Rashi brings two interpretations, as he does in this Pasuk. Why does Rashi bring two interpretations? Rashi is here to teach us the Peshat of what is being written, what is what is being uh, written in Scripture. If he's bringing us two interpretations, it must be that there is something lacking in one of the interpretations, in each interpretation, that made him feel he had to give another one. Otherwise, if he, if he liked the first interpretation, there was no reason to give a second one. So what was wrong with the first interpretation? According to the first inter- interpretation, why didn't the word write va'et hanem? Va'et hanem, with a final mem at the end, not va'et hanan, would have been the proper word to teach me hanam, hanem, lashon hainam, a free gift. That would have been the more appropriate word to use that. But that's not what the Torah wrote. The Torah wrote Va'et Hanan. Va'et Hanan with a nun. So he still likes the interpretation of Matinat Chinam, but he has this problem with the nun. So because he has this problem with the nun, it forces him to give the second interpretation of Tefillah, that Hanun is a Lashon of Tefillah. It's a Lashon of prayer. And therefore, this is something that he feels it should be the second interpretation. What is wrong with the second interpretation? If the second interpretation is a good interpretation, then only state the second one. The reason why the second interpretation isn't perfect is because if indeed it was a tefillah to Hashem and a pleading to God, then the word vaychal would have been the better word. Like we say, and we read every fasting, vaychal Moshe et penei Hashem enoav. Vaychal is also a lashon of prayer. It's also a lashon of, of tefillah, and that would have been a lot better for uh, to uh, to Kibiachol to, to express the Lashon of Tefillah. Each one is good, but each one is uh, is lacking. So that's how Rashi interprets the first word of Vayet Hanan El Hashem. In fact, the Da'at Zekenim Balei Tosvot, he, slight discrepancy for the Rashi, Rashi quotes 10 different expressions for prayer. But the Da'atzek and Nibale Tosfot says there's eight of them. And he says, Shmona Shemot Nikre'ula Tefillah. says there are eight expressions. And they are, Tefillah is one of them, probably the most common one. Tehina, Tehina, not the Tehina like we have in our falafels and shawarmas. Tehina is like this, Hanun Tehina. Tse'aka, Shalashon of, we call it, Litzok is is to yell, but Tse'aka is a very strong form of prayer. Ze'aka, Sicha, Nefila, Pegia, and Rina. All these verbs that you will have throughout Scripture, throughout Tanakh, those are all in reference to Tefila, Ba'ifka, Ba'makomahu, okay, 
Vayipol al panav, nefila. All of these verbs are an expression of tefila. Uvkulan, he continues, lo hitpalel Moshe ela betahina. However, the expression that Moshe Rabbeinu used was tehina. So the Dajek Kenini Bale Tosfot is trying to figure out why did Moshe use this expression if there are nine or eight other, eight in total, according to Rashi, ten in total, why give the expression of of tehina, of vayetchanan, why not vayifgaba makom or vayipol al panav, why specifically here? So he answers, and he says, velama, why? When Moshe Rabbeinu in Parashat Kitisa requested from Hashem, please teach me, inform me of your ways. I want to know Hashem. I want to know which midah, which character trait do you use to run your world, to direct your world. What did God respond? The same pasuk that Rashi quoted. I will be gracious to those who um, I will be gracious to. Hakadosh Baruch Hu at that moment in Parashat Kitisa told Moshe Rabenu, whatever I give to my people. I give with a matenat chinam. I give with a free gift. It's undeserved. Simply out of the goodness of my heart. So when Moshe Rabbeinu heard that, Amar lo Moshe, be'ota midah she'amartali, with that same midah that you spoke to me, that you taught me, hitnaheg v'ten li be'matenat chinam she'ayvor et ha'yarden. I want you to act with that same trait, God. I want you to behave with me in that same manner, to give me a matenat chinam, to give me an undeserved gift because you want to. What's that gift? That I able to cross the Jordan River and enter Eretz Yisrael. That's why the Pasuk said, It's from the same root word of Echanoti. And that's why he used specifically that form of tefillah. He goes on to say that the, the word Ba'et Hanan is also the Gematria 515 to teach me that Moshe Rabenu prayed 515 times to go into Eretz Israel until Hashem had to tell him later on this week's Perasha, Rav Lach, enough, you cannot pray anymore. If you were to pray one more, Rashi quotes, and I would have to let you in. But uh, he, he had to stop. 515 prayers is another uh, interpretation but his main interpretation is why using that expression using that expression because that's the expression that Hashem used with him when Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to seek God's way I don't understand teach me how you run the world I run the world with Hainun I give the people out of the goodness of my heart undeservingly ah so give me undeservingly but Hanan I want to go into Eretz Yisrael b'matenat chinam that's the perush of the dad it says Rashbam Rashbam was the grandson of Rashi. And he says, Bilamdenu parashat shalach lecha. It was taught to us in parashat shalach lecha. And he first quotes a statement from Perkei Avot in the fourth chapter. Ve'al tish'allo bish'at nidro. Perkei Avot tells us that a person should not ask about a vow when he is making the vow. 
when he's making a vow, don't ask him about it. There's a reason why he's making the vow. Minayim. Where do we learn this concept from? Where does the Tana in Perkei Avot learn this idea of not to ask the promiser, the vow, the vower, person making the vow, about the vow? Mi Moshe. You learn it from Moshe. When Moshe Rabbeinu told the Jewish people, listen up, you rebellious ones. This is with regards to the hitting of the rock. According to the Rashba, Moshe Rabbeinu's mistake was that he, he insulted the Jewish people. He degraded them by calling them rebellious ones. It has nothing to do with him hitting the rock and not speaking to it. That's Rashi's pshat. According to Rashba, it was Shimuna Morim. When he said those awful words, Nishba Kadosh Baruch Hu Hashem commanded, told Moshe, you are not going into Israel. That's why the Torah tells us, you're not going to bring these people. Amar Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I, this is a moment where God is angry. It's a moment where Hashem made a promise. I'm not asking him about it now. It's not the right time to speak about something at that moment when the person is still upset. It's the same Mishnah in that, in, in, in that, in that Perkei Avot, in that Mishnah. Don't speak to someone when he's upset or when he makes a neder. It's not the right time. I'm not going to ask God about it. Himtin shana. Moshe Rabbeinu waited one year. And then he began to pray, to pray to Hashem. Prayed non-stop. One year later, 515 times. God said to him, Because you waited and you didn't act right away, all the other people who have died over the course of these 40 years, they're just going to go down the Sheol to Gehinam. You at least will go up. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, at least will go up to the top of the mountain and see Eretz Israel on Harnevo before you die. Because you waited at the right time. That's what the Rashbam says, uh, says over here on this on this pasuk. So again, the idea, the concept, reiterating the fact of knowing when to talk, when not to talk. Moshe Rabbeinu was wrong in, in calling the people rebellious ones. He had the opportunity to just jump on God right there and say, come on, how can you not let me in? But God was upset. So he waited, he was patient. And Hashem, although didn't allow him to go physically into Eretz Israel, but he allowed him to go on top of the mountain to see uh, Eretz, uh, Eretz Israel. Um, moving on, moving on. The Bala Turim, on this word, Vayetchanan, as I said at the beginning, we're going to be focusing a lot just on this Pasuk, only on this Pasuk tonight. He says, Vayetchanan also has a, a gematria that is is per, perplexing. And he says, Gematria Shira. It is the same numerical value as the word Shira. Shira means a song. That Moshe Rabbeinu said 
in front of Hashem a song. He sang in order that he shall hear his tefillah. This, this perush of the Bala Turim is very intriguing. It's one that I relate to a lot because it teaches us the power of song. Song. We, Sefaradim, and uh, in general, uh, especially we Moroccans, we love to sing. And uh, we, we especially sing during our tefillah. We, we sing a lot. And a, a lot of people wonder, but why do we have to do that? Why not just say the words? Why not just say, like we do every weekday, why we have to sing and chant in these special melodies? What is the purpose of it? Like, we can speed things up. Same tefillah, it's the same words. The answer is it's not the same tefillah, as learned from Moshe. But Hanan Gematria Shira teaches me that there is an inyan, there's a concept of praying to Hashem, Chinun, tefillah, through shira, through song. Not only is there such a concept, but according to the Baal Turim, this is what Moshe Rabbeinu felt in order to get God to listen to his tefillah. He felt the need to sing his prayer so that Hashem should be makshiv, all of his bakashot. And something to remember as, you know, we are, we're just a couple days around, uh, away from Shabbat, we are a bit over a month from the Yamim Noraim and the, and, and the holiday of Sukkot, what music and what song actually does. Never think for one moment that your singing is, is, is babyish, is childish, is secular. Song has incredible power. In fact, the songs that we that are written in the Torah, Az Yashir Moshe, Shirat Moshe, by Hazinu HaShamayim, these are the holiest of the holies. This is the parts of the Torah that are so sacred. That have that have thousands of interpretations and meaning to it. In Lashon Shira, written in the stanzas of a Shira. And so too, when we pray, we must incorporate song. We must incorporate manginot. That's how we connect our neshamot to Hashem through the tefillah. We're singing. We sing so much during our selichot, even. Something that you know I hope one day to address. But this is important. And that's why the Balaturim felt to mention this. There's probably uh, hundreds of gematria's uh, uh, words in, in the word Vaitchanan. But I wanted to say specifically gematria shira. When a person sings, his tefillah takes on a whole new dimension. The next ashi is on the word ba'etahi. Ba'etahi. At this time. Ba'etchanan Hashem ba'etahi or at that time. And Rashi says... Rashi says, what, at what moment did Moshe Rabbeinu pray? He prayed after he conquered the land of Sihon and Og, the kings of Sihon and Og. And the reason why he prayed Dafka at that moment was because he felt that God's vow had been annulled, had been canceled. What's, the, what's going on over here? Sihon and Og lived in parts of, uh, of the land that were, that were part of Eretz Israel, but they were outside, they were on the other side of the Jordan. And Hashem told, told Moshe Rabbeinu, conquer them, defeat them. And Moshe Rabbeinu entered that land. He says, wait a second, 
if this is if these are our nations I'm destined to conquer, this is land that's going to be given to Eretz Israel as a, to the Jewish people, then maybe just maybe Hashem annulled the decree. Maybe he annulled the vow. And therefore, it was at that time, at that time, that uh, that he prayed to Hashem to enter Eretz Yisrael by foot, the actual, within the borders, because maybe the neder was, um, was annulled. Says the Ramban, the Ramban, sorry. He wants to, he has an amazing chidush here at the end of his his, uh, his first commentary. It's a long longer commentary. I'm just going to explain the end. He he gives a different reason why Moshe specifically is mentioning this now because Moshe Rabenu, as Rashi just stated, already prayed this. He already made this tefillah a while ago. Sefer Devarim is an entire rebuke about the Jewish people. It started already in last week's parashat Ela Devarim. So what? what's going through Moshe's mind that he feels the need to mention this now? I prayed to Hashem, but Hanan is past sense. I prayed to Hashem. I asked him to go to Israel. He told me, Rav Lach, enough, don't pray anymore. Why mention it now? Why mention it at this point? You already, you prayed it so long ago. Look at the chidush that the Ramban gives. A very scary one. He says, Hizkir ha-tefilah sham asher na'ana aleha. He mentioned the original tefillah back then. The kan hizkir. Here he no, is mentioning it. Lehodia to inform the Jewish people. Ki ha'aretz ha'ita chaviva alav me'od. That the land was very precious to him. It was very dearing to him. Velo zacha eleha ba'avuram. He did not merit entering it because of them. All of this is part of the rebuke. Moshe Rabenu here is he, according to the Ramban, he feels that he's been exonerated. He's been exonerated. I I could have gone in. I made a mistake. I but because of my prayer. I was able, I, I managed God to convince me here, to, to allow me to go in. I convinced Hashem to let me go in. But the reason I'm not going in is because of the people, because of the stress, of the anxiety, the agony that they put me through. They caused me to react in ways that I shouldn't have reacted. If you'd only done things the proper way and not been so... Uh, uh, filled with, with complaints and a bad eye and an ayin ra'ah, maybe I would have gone in. Lo Because of them. And that's a tochacha. Wow. Made me think a little bit about really our, our effect on society. That my actions, my community's actions can, can affect the the hatslacha, the success of a of a person halfway around the world, and let alone for sure here the guy right next to me, my actions, my complaint, my ayn ra'ah, my evil eye, as Bedeisel often displayed in the forty years of the desert, according to the Ramban, 
is the reason, one of the reasons, or at least contributed to the fact that these people, that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't enter the land. Imagine it was because of you. Imagine it was, you know, because of your complaint. After 120 years, Kadosh Baruch Hu's going to come to you and says, you know that what you said, what you did, caused so-and-so person not to succeed in this area of life. And your first thing you're saying, like, what are you talking about? I don't even know who that person is. Ah, well, you know, well, you did. Is it not scary? Is that not frightening to know that society can contribute to every single person's individual success? We are judged as a cloud. We are judged as a as a community at one. But just like our actions can actually be a detriment, our negative actions can be a detriment to someone's success and way of life, the other way works as well. My good deeds, my ayin tova, the way I perceive things in a positive light, can actually bring goodness and success to someone else. What would have been had the Jews not complained about that water? What would have been? Moshe Rabbeinu would have had a different outcome, a different, a different final episode in Moshe Rabbeinu's life. So I read this Ramban, and you have to wonder, and you have to say to yourself, "Man, I I need I need to look out for my own actions to affect the betterment, the the, the well-being of everybody around me." Ba'etahilemor, saying. Rashi says this is one of the three places in the Torah that Moshe said, "Any any I'm not leaving here." until you inform me whether or not you're going to answer my request. Lemor. I'm, I'm waiting. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Says the Rabbeinu Bechaye. He says, since this whole thing is talking about a tefillah, Hayta ha-tefillah bechituch sefataim. The tefillah that a person prays needs to be bechituch sefataim. It needs to be with the cutting of the lips. In other words, you have to use your words. Bechen ba'itzak Moshe l'Hashem lemor. Inyan amira gmura bechituch sefataim. Prayer must be done with enunciation, with movement of the lips and talking. Prayer cannot be done by machshaba. A person thinks, I pray to God. What do you pray to God? I just sat down by my bed and I started thinking. No. Sitting by your bed and thinking is not tefillah whatsoever. Praying is talking to Hashem. One of the words of prayer that we said before was sicha. Sicha is a conversation. And Sicha comes through, and certainly Hainun, comes through the Chituch Sefatayim, the movement of the lips and the enunciation of words. A person that scans with his eyes the Sidur in his Amidah did not fulfill any Amidah. He did not fulfill any Shmona Esrei and has to do it again. Well, in fact, he didn't do it the first time. So he for sure has to do it again. So it's important that a person says, Rabbeinu Bechaye, Moshe Rabbeinu Lemor teaches me that Tefillah must be done by Chituch Sefatayim pronouncing each and every word, no matter how long it takes. Take your time. Some read fast, some read slower. doesn't matter. But it must be through the actual enunciation of words. Rabotai, I want to end tonight, Shi'ur, with um, an, an amazing perus by the Keli Yakar on the word Va'et Hanan. And he quotes Rashi that we started the class with on that the tzaddikim 
always look forward to requesting things for free. They don't want it to hang in the balance of their previous actions. Of all their, of all their, uh, their points and stars that they've accumulated in their bank account, whatever they're requesting, they want it, they want it as a free gift. They want it as, an, even though it's undeserved, but they want it free. I don't want it to deduct any points. And he quotes Rashi, Perush Rashi, Afal Pishri but look what he, he has he has big difficulty on this. He says this this is very difficult. Why in the world would it matter? Why would you even think the Havamina to think that the righteous people of the generation are thinking what uh, to 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 use up their points? In Shamaim, these are the righteous greats that the world has seen. You really think that they care to use up points? They don't, man doesn't have a debt to God. Every mitzvah that a person does. It's not like, okay, now I'm going to do it because I'm going to score points and I'm going to use points for reward. That's not how it, wor- how it works. Because Hashem has been performing chesed with a person from the moment he's born. The moment he's born, he's been giving you chesed, undeserved gifts, allowing to breathe, to eat, to learn natural things. Every step we take is a miracle. Life, our whole life, we're indebted to God. So Hashem is not looking for some something in return. Okay, fine. So, so uh, I'll use two thousand points in order for you to give me this. That's not how it works. He, the the the, the, the Kli is reading Rashi. Says, "What do you? What's going on over here? Why would you even think for a moment that Sadikim want to use up something as a payment? In fact, and then he quotes." Rabotenu in Brachot, they laid blame to King Chizkiyahu, one of the kings of Israel, Shetala Bemaasav, who who basically hung his actions, his deeds, based on the, the meritorious actions of someone else. Remember all the times I walked in front of you good. Trying to ask for something. Remember, Hashem, remember I did this. And, and they didn't want to listen. So they put it to, you want to know why you're successful? It's not because of what you did. It's because of David HaMelech, Babur David Avdi. So what's going on over here? So look what he says. When Rashi says that the tzaddikim wish to um, to claim their reward on their good deeds, we misinterpreted Rashi. We translated it wrong, says the Kliyakar. It's not on the deeds that they did up until now. The 50, 60, 70 years that they live filled with mitzvot and ma'asim tovim. 
They definitely don't want to touch those. Those points are reserved for them in Olam Abad. It's for the future good deeds that they're going to do in the later stages of their life. That's what they don't want to give up. Banking for their future as the title of tonight's class. There's no tzaddik that cares for any physical pleasure, physical reward. They just want the opportunity to perform a mitzvah. You think Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to go into Israel to eat the fruit? To see, wow, these are beautiful mangoes. These are unbelievable peaches. You think that's what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to go to Israel for? He had no interest in the physical pleasure. El Amar in Israel, there are opportunities to perform mitzvot that we don't have here in Chutz La'aretz. We don't have it here on the other side of the Jordan. That's why I want to go, for the opportunities. Moshe Rabbeinu was telling God, I want the opportunities to do the mitzvah, let me in. Let me in so I can have those opportunities. And I'm just skipping a few lines. He didn't want to mention it. He didn't want to say that specifically because he was so humble. Because maybe Moshe would go in the land and actually not do them, God forbid. He couldn't guarantee himself they could do it. Who could guarantee? Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't guarantee that he was going to perform the mitzvot. Never be so sure of yourself. That's humility. Never be so sure of yourself that you're going to do something. Even Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't so sure. And therefore, he didn't mention the reason why he wanted to go there. He wanted the matinat chinam. I, I, just want, I just want you to let me in because you want to let me in. gufanit. Moshe Rabbeinu was worried, I might not perform all the mitzvot of Eretz Yisrael, and the only thing I'm going to gain benefit is my own physical pleasure and enjoyment. And therefore he only requested, he only requested, I'm not going to give you a reason, I don't I want to jeopardize anything, just let me in Hashem please. That's why the Pasuk says, at that time, Moshe Rabbeinu was making his request at that moment, at that present moment. He doesn't have any merit of the future yet. It didn't happen. And he doesn't want to bank on that. He doesn't want it to take away from that. Because maybe it will come, maybe it won't come. He's not sure. He needed to see what is right now. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. The tzaddikim, 
what what they what they yearn for are opportunities to do mitzvot in the future. This for them was so important. It's all that matters to them. Moshe Rabbeinu felt that he had a negotiation strategy to get him in. To get him in. God, let me in so I can do these mitzvot. But he didn't do it. He didn't mention it because he wasn't sure of himself that he would do it. And that was humility. Because if he fails, then what happened to the deal? Then all of the, anything that he accepted, anything that he gained was a physical benefit. And to him, that, that it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. So Hashem, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray to go into Israel. But I don't want it weighing, I don't want it dependent on my future actions. It's for sure not the actions of the past. Who got, why would I give that up whatsoever? Those are my points. Those are my points. For the for I got millions, hundreds of millions of points. I'm not touching those, says the Kliyakar. But maybe we could, something in the future, the Maasim Tovim over there, Moshe Rabbeinu says, no. No. I want Matenat Chinam. I want you to give it to me out of the goodness, goodness of your heart. I will be gracious to those who are gracious. So I want you to do the same thing. This is what I want you to give. Unfortunately, we know we know what the final episode is. We know that Hashem had to tell Moshe Rablach enough 515 times you can't go in. Reasons only between them two do they know. One thing is for sure. Moshe Rabbeinu has all of his points, hundreds of millions of the points, and he is basking in the light of God up there in the highest levels of Shemaim. So many amazing lessons from one Pasuk. And Bezat Hashem, we can walk out of here with a little different understanding from this. So many secrets, so many ideas in six words, in six words, to inspire us to be better, to inspire us to be more humble, to inspire us to look for the future and understand that we have so many opportunities waiting for us. It's our job to act on it. Wishing everyone a wonderful night. Shabbat Shalom.